Hello again and good day to all of you. I'm glad you're back. We are reading through the book of Luke, Luke chapter 4. If you are new to us today, go back, read the other chapters. We've been having a good time up to this point. Did you read Luke? Are you reading Luke? Luke chapter 4 for today. Did you read it or are you tempted to not read it? Are you tempted? Obviously, I'm dropping hints here as to uh, the main thrust of what we are talking about today, especially as we are in the beginning of Luke chapter 4. But really, this, this chapter is filled with all kinds of good stuff, as the Holy Scripture is. But man, we don't have a lot of time to talk about all of it. Ah, we'll figure something out. So, speaking of temptations, whew, this is the time of year where I think temptations can really get the best of us, especially... We're talking about eating well. You guys have hard troubles or a hard time eating well? I'm trying to eat a little bit better, and it seems like everywhere I go, there's somebody telling me, hey, come get a donut or have some cake. Oh, that was today. Oh, installing a pastor at another congregation. People are like, hey, come have some cake. There's cake here. You need to eat the cake. No, I haven't even had supper yet. That's okay, they said. Just come eat cake. Who cares? You're in church. As if that somehow makes the calories disappear. And I actually turned to him. I said, you're trying to tempt me, aren't you? And they said, well, yeah. Well, at least they were honest about it. <laughs> oh, temptation, though. Look, it gets the best of us, doesn't it? Temptation is, well, so tempting. What makes it so tempting? Think about that. What makes temptation so tempting? Something that's what intriguing, it draws interest, it makes us feel like it's going to be enjoyable. Mm. Well, here we are, the heels of chapter three. And if you didn't read and or listen to our discussion from chapter three, oh man, you should go back. Because we had a great conversation. Well, at least I thought it was great, but who am I? Good conversation about who Jesus is as the next son, right? Not like the old Israel. He's the new Israel. He is the new child. He is the son with whom God is well pleased. And if you think back to the Old Testament, a lot of things happened when Israel went out into the wilderness. Do you remember that? God claimed his people. Uh, he went to Moses, who then went to Pharaoh. Time and time again, let my people go. Pharaoh wasn't going to follow through. He wasn't going to do it. But finally, though, after all those plagues, they're free. They can go. And they do. They go into the wilderness. But as soon as they get into the wilderness, it doesn't take long. What do the people start doing? They start grumbling. They start complaining. And do you remember what it's about? Food. We're so hungry. We're so thirsty. If we could only have food in our bellies, then we'd be better. Now, it says here in chapter 4 that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Where did he go? Into the wilderness, right? Remember, this is the son, the new son. He's going back into the wilderness. He's going to do things differently than the first child, the first children, the children of Israel did. He's going to fast. He's going to be hungry. Now, interestingly enough, in Luke's gospel, it just says, being tempted by the devil Matthew's gospel says it a little bit differently. He says uh, he was sent into the wilderness to be tempted. There's intentionality here, right? To be tempted, just like that first Israel was. Is he going to trust in God? 
Or is he going to grumble? Is he going to complain? But then here comes the evil one, right? Man, this is what he does best. He starts casting doubt. If you are the son of God, I'm not saying you are, I'm not saying you aren't, but if, though he knows full well that he is, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. Right? It's that easy, Jesus. You can fill your stomach. You don't have to wait anymore. Show us that you really are who you say that you are. Come on, go ahead, eat. Be satisfied. Of course, Jesus' response, oh, I love it, from the word of God, right? That's how you refute the devil. Man cannot live on bread alone. Of course not. Matthew's account says every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what's going to drive Jesus. Of course, he is the word in the flesh, isn't he? That's not enough for the devil, though. He's going to keep going. Test, temptation, number two. Look at all these nations. Look at all the kingdoms of the world. Bow down and worship me, and I will allow for you to be all or to have all of them. I will give you all of the wealth. I will give you all of the riches. Wow, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? At least it should. What does the devil say in Genesis chapter 3? No, you're not going to die if you eat from the fruit of the tree. God just knows that you'll be like him. Adam and Eve's perspective, what? God's the greatest. They have the chance to be the greatest. Israel was tempted. Adam and Eve were tempted. There was the same kind of temptation. You can have it all. Fall down and worship me. Of course, Jesus has has a response. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. See, this son is much different than the former son, much different than Israel. But he's not done yet. And this one, man, I'd say it's my favorite, but that kind of sounds bad. <laughs> it's, it's sneaky. It's sneaky. Again, if... Casting that doubt. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here in a high place. And then the devil quotes scripture. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And he also says, on their hands, they will bear you up. Lest you strike a foot against a stone. Right, the devil knows the word of God straight from the Psalms, Psalm 91. But man, how convenient it is for the devil to leave out a portion of that Psalm. Right, he just says part of it to, to get Jesus to do something, right? Hey, let's see if what God's word is, says is true, right? He will command his angels. This is straight from Psalm 92. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That's exactly what the devil said. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you f- strike your foot against a stone. But then moving on a little bit to verse 14, referring to the one that they're going to protect. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. I will answer him. I will be with him. I will rescue him. I will honor him. See, what's the whole idea behind this? He, meaning Jesus, will hold fast to God and love. 
which is not putting the Lord God to the test. But that's what the evil one's trying to do, right? He's trying to test Jesus, trying to tempt Jesus. And giving into this kind of testing or tempting would not be fulfilling what that psalm has said. When, yes, God will protect, send the angels concerning his ways to guard, he won't let you strike your foot against the stone. That doesn't include throwing yourself off a cliff, but while he's serving God, while he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Ah, that devil. He knows his word, doesn't he? He knows God's word. Tries to twist Try to manipulate it. It's easy to fall. You and I do it, right? So what is it? What is the testing? What is the, what is the temptation? You and I have too, right? Did God really say that you shouldn't look at that woman lustfully? It's just a look. It's just a glance. Is it really going to hurt anything? And all of a sudden that look turns into thinking. The thinking is more than just a thought. It evolves, doesn't it? To the point where that person commands your attention, even if it's just in your thoughts. You start going out of your way to see that person more. Having conversations. Innocent, so you think. And then it turns into something else. Did God really say... What's the temptation? What's yours? Is it really gossip if I share this piece of information? I know it's not really about me, but this other individual might benefit from hearing it. They need to know the story too so that they can watch out for that individual. Maybe. Or maybe we just like the attention. Maybe we just like being in the know. Maybe we like it when people are focused on us, that we know something that they don't. Maybe we want people to come to us searching for questions about other people, other things. We want to believe that the city, the community, the culture revolves around us, that we're an important part of it. Did God really say? Did God really say that if you speak out in anger against a brother, it's as if you've actually killed him? Did God really say that? No, go ahead. Let the anger fly. Righteous anger, right? Surely they deserve it. You let it fly and you feel better for <laughs> for only a moment. That's the thing. When, you, when we give in to these temptations, we never feel as good as we think that we will. And then the devil lays it on thick the other way, telling us we're worthless. Can't even consider to be children of God but it's different with Jesus he says no he passes the test the temptation and it's interesting though because it does say here in this text that he being Satan the evil one departs from him until an opportune time so when is that opportune time? Well, I can only touch on it for a second because eventually we'll get there in Luke chapter 23. But listen to this, right? Just like the evil one said, if, if you are the son of God, command the stone to, to become bread. If, if you worship me, I will give you all this. Listen to this in Luke chapter 23. And the people stood by watching 
But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen ones. But then you also have the soldiers. They mocked him. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then you have one of the criminals who railed against him, right? He doesn't say if, but I think it's implied. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. See, the devil doesn't quit here. He keeps coming. But Jesus keeps saying no. But yes to doing what God has called him to do. Wow, here we are, Luke chapter 4. And wow, only um, we've only gotten through oh, verse 13. There's a lot left, but that's okay. Hey, uh, I said we could only do a little bit at a time. I can only focus on so much. But what we do need to know and see here, I think, uh, especially as we're trying to piece together all of Luke, is that what Jesus is one that, um, yes, has the authority, right? He is the son, the child that's going to be different from the other children. But look what happens as he goes into Nazareth. He goes into Nazareth, his hometown, and people are having a hard time trusting Jesus, that he really is the Messiah, because they're only thinking about what they know from their own mind. They're not looking through eyes of faith. Uh, they look at him and they're like, wait a second, isn't this Joseph's boy, Mary's son? He can't be the Messiah. Meager means, right? We, we've known him from the time he was knee-high to a grasshopper. They probably didn't say things like that. But you get the idea. We've always known Jesus. How can he really be the one, the Messiah, but not looking through eyes of faith? But Jesus is the son. He's the one that has the authority. Then we move along to verse 31 through 37, where, yes, he casts out another demon. In fact, this time, Jesus rebukes him. When the demon tries to mock him and make fun of him, he says, be silent and come out of him. Why is it? Why does he say be silent? Well, where's the devil's power? What power do the demons have? They really don't have a lot of power except what's in their, their word, right? What they say is very sneaky, very powerful. They know the word of God. They can twist it proclaiming who Jesus is and then perhaps finding a way to manipulate it. But no, not in front of Jesus. Jesus silence him. There's nothing he can do because Jesus has the ultimate power. And not just the power over the evil one. He also has the power over illnesses. He comes to Simon's house. His mother-in-law is sick, ill, with high fever. They appeal to Jesus. Jesus heals her. And immediately she gets up and starts serving them. Then also says that any who were sick with various diseases, they, were, they brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them. And demons also came out of a man crying, you're the son of God. There it is again, right? But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. See, this is all about Jesus having the power. He has the authority. But then this happens. He goes and he preaches in the synagogue. After he's done preaching, he finds a desolate place. People seek him out again. Jesus is trying to have some alone time with God. But the disciples come to him. What does he say? Listen to this. This is a good lead into where we're going tomorrow. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. 
to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. So what purpose was Jesus sent? He was sent to testify of the kingdom of God. So we see that he is different from the son of Israel. We see that he has the authority. And now we know his purpose to preach and teach the kingdom of God, which is really based upon, well, who he is, based upon the forgiveness of sins. Well, I'm trying to shorten these up, but well, what can I say? Um, I hope that this is beneficial for you. I can tell you what, it is certainly beneficial for me. I have thoroughly enjoyed reading through Luke this way. Um, really enjoyed it, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Hey, while we're thinking about it, watch out for that evil one. He's out there, right? Constantly tempting us. <laughs> I had a friend that once said, the devil's got a job to do too. And he sure does, but he can't win. Christ has already won, and he has already claimed us. I pray that you live in that victory today. See you tomorrow, everybody.